coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. We are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome back to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host again this week, Matt Price, with me, Dan Myler, and Ryan McDowell. This show is going to be like last week's show, except for we're going to be working on the wide receiver top 12 list instead of the running backs. Uh, before we get to that, though, we're going to talk a little bit of news. Ryan, the, the biggest kick in the nuts this week has got to be Andrew Luck retiring. You know, there's been a few crazier things that have happened in the time I've been playing Dynasty Fantasy Football, but this has got to be a top two or three kind of thing. So uh, I guess just give us a quick overview on your thoughts on the whole thing. You know, you can get as touchy-feely as you want. I think he's been giving too much crap from a lot of people in the in the industry. You know, it, it's his choice. He's got to get out when he can feel like he's going to be healthy for the rest of his life. But from a Dynasty standpoint, you know, the, the, it only hurt me in a couple of leagues, but especially from a super flex standpoint, Ryan – uh, this, this is bad, man. Yeah, it, it certainly stings. And I mean, there's there's a lot of angles and a lot of a lot of takes to be had about this situation, obviously. But I'll, I'll stick to the dynasty uh, realm. Um, I mean, there's there's no there's no way around it. I mean, if you have him in a super flex, it's just a killer. Um, he was not only expected to be a fantasy starter this year, but he was among the top assets in the entire league in a super flex league and, and was basically viewed as, or, or predicted to be that for at least the next five or six or seven years. So that's, you know, that's as simply as we can say it. And, and if you lost him on your dynasty team, especially if it is super flex, then you, you lost the cornerstone of your team. And just as it's going to be tough for the Colts to to come back from that, it's going to be tough for a dynasty team to come back from that. Uh, it, it could be, it, it could be a season killer. So, you, I mean, you look at all the other weapons on that team. Uh, some some guys that were being counted on as high level options: T.Y. Hilton and Marlon Mack, and and others who are maybe more. Um, just guys we were hoping that, that would turn into something. Paris Campbell obviously comes to mind uh, with that category. It hurts them all. And we all know the Jacoby Brissett stat line from 2017. It was not very good. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's was also not very good as a result of that. I've seen lots of commentary on that, that um, new coaching staff, new offensive line, uh, Brissett has had time to improve. All of that makes sense, but he's still not – he's still not going to be even two thirds of what Andrew Luck was. So there's no way that you can paint this picture to be anything other than a major downgrade for all of the Colts. 
And I, I, what I, my big takeaway from it has been that maybe there's a lesson to learn as a dynasty owner in those super flex leagues. I think most leagues have a guy in it or an owner in it, I should say, that collects quarterbacks that that consistently has those bottom three or four guys along with their their two studs or or whatever it may be, and and at least has a player to put in the in the starting lineup when there's a buy and a and a and there's injuries that rack up, um, maybe those guys are, are I, I would say, they are better equipped to handle something like this when it does come up. And now, obviously, this is rare, and it's not, not going to happen all that often. But if you're the guy that has, the, has that surplus of quarterbacks, whether you lost luck off your roster or somebody else did in your league, you now have something to counteract that, whether that is offering a trade to the owner that lost luck or having a guy to put in your starting lineup. So I I think it's just a reminder for a lot of us that play in these leagues with two quarterbacks and and have have a necessity to have at least three starting quarterbacks and sometimes even four or five that the quarterback position shouldn't be taken lightly in these types of leagues. Yeah, it hurts me and, and Pigs too, especially. It's a 14 team Superflex League. My quarterbacks were Watson and Andrew Luck. I thought I felt real, real good about this year. You know, <laughs> not so much anymore. So, especially in that scenario, I've learned my lesson. You got to get that third guy. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is an extreme situation that's, you know, not going to happen maybe once in our lifetime, but you got to have that third guy, whether it's just a, you know, like a Flacco type or whatever, Ryan. But what, what, what would you suggest that contenders do in this case? Like, who are some targets? Like, I thought maybe. You could go after guys like Roethlisberger, or Rivers, Brady, these older guys that maybe have a little bit less value. But in these larger league formats, or even in 12 teams, really, like people just don't want to let go of these guys for, you know, especially when they know you're in, in a bad spot. So what, what's your advice there on what you can do uh, to, to kind of help fix this problem? Well, um, uh, first of all, you have to target Jacoby Brissett from the waiver wire. If you are talking about that super flex league that, that we've been mentioning here, He's probably not even available, depending on the the depth of uh, the rosters. Uh, a lot of times, we'll even see those those top backups um, already being rostered. And uh, while no one saw this coming, uh, of course, we we have been hearing for the past month or so about this injury and uh, the the risk that Luck had of missing Week One or or even more time than that. So the the move for Brissett has probably already been made, but obviously if he's sitting on your waiver wire, he's, he's an all-in player uh, at this point in a super flex league. Other than that, it's, it's going to be tough, uh, you know, a, a tough road because like you said, quarterbacks are just so, so difficult to acquire anyway. But those, the, the names you mentioned, and there are a lot of them, Rivers, Roethlisberger, uh, Breeze, Brady, uh, Stafford is in that group now. Garoppolo is is probably even in that group value wise, although he's he he doesn't have the experience of those guys. You just need some bodies, you know. Uh, I mean, Flacco, Eli, these any of these guys are targets if you think you're a contender just to get you, you know, to get you through the first month, through the first six weeks of the season. I think the first thing to do, Ryan, is to gauge how much Andrew Luck was weighing on if you were a contender or not. Because if you were counting on him to be a, a high-end quarterback one, the, the, the chances of you getting that kind of production out of another player are slim to none. So maybe losing Andrew Luck changes you from a contender to a fringe playoff team. 
And then you don't want to give up too much for Flacco or one of these other quarterbacks that you mentioned. So I think I think taking an honest look at what Andrew Luck meant to your roster and, and to the total points you're going to score in 2019 is the first step to, to trying to find a realistic uh, fix for your problem here. I think the other thing we need to address here before we, uh, before we look at the other news is what do we do with Andrew Luck? Uh, I've, I've seen him dropped already in my leagues. I, I put out some polls um, Sunday about how are we handling this? Or would you drop him if you had him on a roster? Would you pick him up if somebody else dropped him? Would you trade anything for Andrew Luck? And all of those responses were, I think, basically what we would expect. Most people were not willing to trade for him. Most people uh, voted that they would not pick him up, and most people voted, the majority voted, that they would drop him. I actually only had him on one roster. It's not a super flex league, and and I didn't drop him yet. We, We saw the news following his announcement that he had been placed on the, I believe it's called the retired reserve list, and... Basically, from from what I understand of uh, some follow-up reports, that means he cannot come back and play this year without clearing waivers, which we, we know that's not going to happen. So um, any speculation that he might change his mind, it, it, at least it's not going to happen during the 2019 season. And, and I think most of us would probably agree, Ryan, that Andrew Luck doesn't seem like the kind of guy that waivers or, or is going to suddenly change his mind. He, he didn't didn't take this decision lightly, obviously. And he strikes me as the kind of guy that took it very seriously, thought long and hard about it, and and was convinced that this was the best decision for him, not only today or throughout the rest of the year, but potentially forever and most likely forever. So I voted on all of those polls that you mentioned, and I was one of the guys that, that voted, yes, I would... I would release him, yes, I or no, I would not trade for him, no, I would not give up anything for him in free agency, and I'm convinced we'll never see him again on an NFL field, and it makes me sad because I liked watching him play, He was a, he, he's a great player, and, and it would have been fun to see what the Colts could do with him. As a dynasty owner, I think it's important, especially in shallow leagues and and even more importantly in shallow super flex leagues to move on and use that roster space uh, as well as possible. I was going to say, I think I agree with you, Dan, unless we have more, I think in 20 roster spot leagues, it's going to be tough, but in like 24 plus, like I've still hold on, held on. I have two shares, one, one, one quarterback league, one super flex league. And I haven't dropped either of them yet. I'm not really planning on it yet. I, 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 and I agree that I think he's a guy of his convictions and he's going to stand by it. And he awfully, seems awfully convinced that this is the right decision for him in that press conference. But, you know, you, you, ne- you never know. <laughs> so as long as I have the space to, to hold him, I'm going to hold him. Uh, it, you know, he certainly would probably end up being one of the first cuts if I have to make a cut for a waiver wire claim, something like that, at least in the one quarterback league. But, uh, you know, as long as I, I feel like I have room to, to hold him, I'm, I'm going to hold him for now. Uh, I don't know if I pay anything. I did, I, did, I did in one waiver wire auction finally. He was cut before then. I won him for a buck out of a $1,000 budget. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and hold him for a buck. Uh, go ahead, Dan. Matt, I play in a league that are in two of the 12 dynasty leagues that I play in. Kelvin, Kelvin Johnson is still on a roster. So there are obviously oh, yeah, guys yeah. that are going to do it. 
it's it's just not for me. Yes, yeah, I think Fish made a joke uh, on the other day on Twitter about that. And he still has a, has, a, has a roster with Calvin Johnson on it. That's a little bit extreme, but I don't know. I'm willing to give a guy like that, especially in a super flex setup, if I have the roster room, you know, like a, a one-year break. You know, maybe he feels great next offseason and we see him again. I, I certainly think that's like a 1% or less chance that it's going to happen. But, you know, if, if it's not going to hurt my roster too much, then uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do it. Uh, let's move on to another sad thing, another not, not quite as bad as the Sandra Luck one, but still Still, still pretty bad. Lamar Miller, ACL and MCL tear in, in uh, the third preseason game this week. Uh, pretty sad. They did get Duke Johnson, though, so it seems like he's the lead back for now. Dan, we'll go back to you here first. Uh, you know, I, I do think that there's a chance that he signed you know, one of these veteran free agents that are still hanging around, whether it's Jay Ajayi or uh, they make a trade for some, but there's been a lot of rumors coming around. So, like right now, it seems like a little bit of an inflection point for Duke. You know, if you can hold on and, and hope that he is going to be the lead back for them, or maybe it's an opportunity to sell on this news before an, another thing hits. So, what do you think you're going to do with with Duke Johnson in this scenario? I lean towards the hold slash buy region of of what to do with Duke. Uh, I, I was actually in a free agent auction in a salary cap contract league this over the weekend. And Duke Johnson was available, and and I tried to get him for market or or maybe just above market value, and the guy matched. Uh, it was in a restricted free agent auction. So without getting into too many details, it seemed like there were multiple people interested in having Duke on the team, and that was just you know a day following the the news about Lamar Miller. So you know I feel like that is a huge opportunity for Duke Johnson. Um, I, I still think there's, there's probably a pretty good chance that a veteran is added there in Houston, but Johnson has been there longer. He's learned that playbook and, and gotten familiar with what they're doing in Houston. I feel like he has never gotten the chance to be the guy or, or the lead back or, or the guy that, that should get, uh, you know, looks both inside and on the perimeter, and everything I've ever seen out of him suggests that he could handle maybe a little bit bigger load than he ever got in Cleveland. Uh, he seems like he seems like the kind of guy that would that would mix in well with with Houston and that offense. So when he signed there, I thought it was a good signing, or when he when he was traded there, actually, uh, I felt like that was a good landing spot for him. I was buying him then. I still am buying him now. I don't feel like the price is exorbitant. I don't feel like it's out of control or anything. It feels like you can get Duke Johnson and put him in your flex and feel really good about that for at least 2019. Yeah, I like the idea of what Dan said there because I really do like Duke Johnson. We we saw his value uh, spike when he was traded to Houston and, and certainly viewed as uh, a a good landing spot for him getting away from Cleveland, getting that opportunity. I even prior to the injury, I already expected him to be the top scorer out of that backfield. Obviously uh, I I believe that now, but checking out the uh, dynasty trade finder on DLF, we've got nine trades that have happened basically since the injury, meaning nine trades from uh, various MFL leagues that happened yesterday and a couple of those are, are cheap deals I would certainly do. Duke Johnson for a second rounder, a couple others like that. But most of these are are very pricey. There's two different trades of Duke Johnson for a 2021st. Duke Johnson for Alshon Jeffrey in a second. Duke Johnson for Will Fuller, even up. Duke Johnson for Mark Andrews 
a second and a third. So the the price is the price is on the rise again. Um, and I, I would not give a first rounder, a 2020 first rounder for him. If I could sell him for that, I would do that. So, um, you know, I think it's it's just going to be one of those your market may vary kind of situations, uh, but I, I would at least be kicking the tires if I own Duke Johnson. Yeah, I would move him for a first too, I, 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 and I would not pay a first for him. Are you on, on board I, with I that? I think deal? we're all firmly on the fence on that deal. <laughs> right in the middle, <laughs> that's where the line is. Uh, yeah, I guess you know. I mean, two seconds. I'm probably not going to move him for that, but. Uh, you know, um, what about these other guys though, Dan, uh, that are behind Duke now, you know, again, at least for now, you know, by the time people hear this, we, we could have Jay Ajayi or somebody else in, in camp here. Uh, but right now we have Demarie Crockett who is making a little bit of noise, Karan Higdon, uh, you know, and either of these guys kind of stick out now for you. I think they, in at least semi deep dynasty leagues, they're rosterable and, and take the lottery ticket and maybe hit on it. They're certainly worth uh, that last roster spot type guys. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet my house on on anything happening with either one of those guys. However, it feels like there's there's just not a lot behind Duke Johnson, and it's everything certainly points to one of these veterans ending up there and at least working his way in as the season starts. Yeah, you look around the league, and and we've got cut day coming up at the end of this week, which is is always a, a just just a, a crazy time, I think, for dynasty players. You're seeing seeing values change so quickly, and, and depth charts and situations alter uh, just within a few hours. But you, you look at running back depth charts currently around the league, and uh, there's several players that could be available, or, or at least are being projected to be available uh, after cut day that. <laughs> that would be a good addition in Houston. Guys like TJ Yeldon, the Eagles are going to have to cut a couple of different running backs. Guys who have uh, had at least a little bit of success in the league, guys like Smallwood and Josh Adams. I mean, those are those are not names to necessarily get excited about, but I don't really think Crockett or Higdon are either. All right, before we get to the rest of our episode, we have a quick read from Reality Sports Online, our sponsor for this episode. By now, you guys have probably heard about Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is about. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Think it sounds complicated? It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is the platform to test your mettle. Still not sure? You can test out your general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code DLF10 to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. 
All right, so we're gonna do the same thing we did last week, but this time we're gonna do wide receivers. Uh, so the data on this isn't quite as strong in terms of 50% of the top 12 does not repeat the following year. You know, for wide receivers, for example, last year we had seven to eight guys repeat, depending on your scoring system. The year before that, it was just below six, you know, so it's gone up and down, kind of hovering around this, this 50% mark. So, but just for this kind of this exercise, uh, we are gonna go with 50%. So we have the top 12 scores at the wide receiver position on a points per game basis from 2018 and we're going to pick the ones that we feel are the safest the ones that we feel are the ones that are most likely to drop out and then we're at the end we're going to draft six possible replacements placements for those six that are going to fall out so the top 12 scores from 2018 are number one Devonte adams at 22 points per game number two antonio brown 21.6 michael thomas deandre hopkins madam thielen tyree kill julio jones odell beckham at eight juju smith schuster at nine Keenan Allen at 10, T.Y. Hilton, and we round out the top 12 with Stephon Diggs. So the range there in the scoring last season in the PPR league was 17.7 at the 12th spot all the way up to 22.0 at the number one spot. So uh, we're going to just start off the discussion here, Dan. You got the first pick in the safe draft. So I guess uh, if you have any any guys here you want to chat about before we get started with the draft, any, anyone that stands out for one reason or another, feel free. Otherwise, start us off with the 1.01 and the most likely to repeat. Well, I think there's a lot to talk about in this top 12. Everything from guys that we feel – uh, are destined to repeat what they did in 2018 all the way to guys that have off the field issues and 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 things with the with their teammates that may suggest they're going to fall out or, or even gain value so i i think with the with the number one pick it it's pretty easy go ba- to go back to the guy that was number one last year i'll take Devonte adams uh there's a lot of good options but considering the the other players or or other pass catchers at least in Green Bay the quarterback situation for Adams and the other options here one through 12 it seems obvious to me that Adams is the safest to repeat as a wide receiver one in 2019. Yeah, he would have been my number one pick as well. Uh, number two seems pretty easy for me as well. I'm going to go with Nuke DeAndre Hopkins as the next most likely to repeat. You guys are making my day here in the in the third spot. And I I do think those two are are definitely good picks. I think they uh, they make a a lot of sense, especially Adams, just from a volume perspective. Um, I mean, we've heard the the story all uh, all off season about that Aaron Rodgers wants to get him even more targets this year and, and things like that. They didn't really uh unless i'm forgetting something you two packers fans they didn't really make any moves to upgrade their receiver receiving core uh just kind of carrying over the young guys they had a year ago and uh, counting on those guys to improve so uh yeah it's it's going to be another big year for adams obviously hopkins i could actually see taking a small step back um it it really just kind of comes down to both will fuller and, and kiki qt staying healthy and there, there have even been rumors that they're trying to acquire another wide receiver. I'm not sure if that's bad news for Fuller or Kiki, but uh, it, it could certainly hurt the volume for Hopkins. But having him inside the top 12 is, is no stretch re- regardless. Uh, I guess I get two picks here, Matt. The first one is my number one guy. I'm going to take Juju, um, Juju Smith-Schuster. We already saw him finish as a wide receiver one a year ago. Uh, and obviously now Antonio Brown is gone from that roster. There's, there's 
plenty of reasons to think that Juju could be the wide receiver one overall this season with the volume that we're going to see from the Steelers offense and the, the uptick in targets that he could have uh, even after uh, a, a pretty big workload a year ago. So he'll be my first pick. Um, and then my second is Michael Thomas really kind of see him in, in the same vein as Hopkins could see him taking a step back in volume, but, uh, I don't think a, uh, another wide receiver one year from him, uh, in that saints offense would be a surprise at all. Yeah. We're lining up here pretty well. Those would have been my next two picks. Also, uh, can't argue with anything you said there, especially from the volume standpoint for both, uh, number five for me here in my second pick. Uh, is also seems pretty easy. I think Dan might have a little bit of a challenge with the last pick here, but Julio seems pretty chalk uh, to go off here at five. Uh, just the volume is going to be there. He's still the alpha dog. Say what you want about Calvin Ridley, but I think Julio is still going to be the uh, the uh, the primary pass catcher in that offense for for at least several more years uh, while they work on this new contract. You know, the the touchdowns have been a concern until last season. You know, who knows what that's what's going to happen with the touchdowns with Julio this year? But you know, I think we're looking at close to 100 catches and you know 1,400 plus yards. So I think it gets them easily back into that top 12. Yeah, I, I, I think those are, are really safe picks, the top five. And it is a little bit of a stretch to, or at least it, it's relatively difficult to pick the sixth guy. I would say that, first of all, I had Juju at two as well. I thought Adams and Juju were the obvious one and two uh, and had a little bit trouble which one to go with. Uh, Then Hopkins at three, Thomas at four, and Julio at five. That leaves me at six, and I'm choosing between OBJ and Tyreek Hill. It's a little bit of a tough call just because OBJ is switching teams. Everything still exists and is the same for Tyreek with the exception of his off the field stuff that we never know if, if there's going to be something that creeps up with that. I'm going to take OBJ though, just because that offense looks so good in Cleveland. Uh, I'm a big fan of the quarterback. Baker Mayfield's going to have a huge year. And I think OBJ is going to be a big part of that. I, I paused quickly uh, just because of the other options that are in that option offense. But I think that exists with Tyreek as well, you know, and, and while Tyreek went through that last year and finished as a wide receiver one, uh, it, it seems to me that OBJ is in line for a huge year. So I took Beckham. I think Tyreek is a safe pick to, to land in the top 12 though, still too. Ryan, were those the last two you were choosing between for the last, the final spot as well? Um, I had a different guy, so I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah. I had, uh, actually Julio was, uh, no, I'm sorry. Um, OBJ was, was outside of my top six. Uh, I would have had, um, Tyreek Hill inside it, but we talked about this earlier guys, as we were getting ready for the, for the show, the wide receiver conversation feels a lot different than running back. Um, it, it's, it's easy to see why there's more turnover with running backs than these wide receivers. And, um, there's, there's more than six that I feel confident in, um, in repeating. And it's, it's really all the guys we've talked about. So the, the six we drafted plus Hill, and, and then we, we still have some talented guys, uh, still to discuss here. Yeah, my mine that you, neither of you mentioned was Keenan Allen again. I know I'm I'm the Keenan Allen fanboy, but I just see the volume remaining there. I think he's going to be again close to 100 catches pretty much every year, uh, depending on what you think about Michael Thomas's production and Hunter Hill, Henry. You know, but there's no Melvin Gordon so far, so I still feel pretty confident that Keenan Allen's going to be in that top 12. Um, but certainly, could see the case for OBJ and Tyreek too. 
Um, let's go then. Okay, so let's just recap real quick. So we had Adams, Nuke, Juju, Michael Thomas, Julio, and OBJ as our six safe spots. So now we're going to go down the same draft order to the uh, the most likely to fall out of the top 12. And like Ryan said, this this list seems a lot more difficult. We had a bunch of these. We had more than six repeat last year uh, to, for, to 2018. So it feels a little bit more of a challenge. And, you know, we're, we're kind of forcing this a little bit. So we're saying that these are the most likely to drop out. But in some of these cases, I think we're probably going to end up uh, – I think that they might end up in that top 12 as well i think ryan got a huge break matt by by getting the the middle of this draft getting three four is a lot better than both one six and two five it gets difficult to pick who's going to drop out once you get past those first three or four i think i'm going to take the easy way out though with the first pick here and i'm going to take ty hilton and obviously this is because of the luck news that we talked about earlier and everything just surrounding him in general, really. I I think Hilton, even if luck looked like he was going to be coming back in week two or three or four in the season, he would be on this list. I don't know if any of us necessarily feel great about him being a solid wide receiver one, even with an elite quarterback uh, uh, under center. Now that he's gone down to Jacoby Brissett, and like you stated earlier, he seems to be maybe at best two-thirds of what Andrew Luck can do. It just doesn't add up to me feeling like uh, Hilton could be anything close to a wide receiver one. At at the very best, you feel, feel good about him being a solid wide receiver two, even with Luck under center. Since that's not the case, I'm... Uh, I'm, I'm going to make ty hilton the easy choice at number one here in the drop draft yeah i think that's the kind of the chalk pick there for sure uh it it stinks i I bought a i bought a bunch of hilton (laughs) this off season because i I thought he was going to make that resurgence you know with with luck and back under center but uh not to be next one i actually have a three-way tie for my second pick here between the guys that are left uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna just gonna say antonio brown i know he's he's the goat right now but no time to really work with Derek Carr, just no time to really to build a rapport. And I know they're probably going to get that real quick on the field, but it certainly doesn't feel safe. So if our, if our, if our guidelines is which guys feel safe, Antonio Brown to me does not feel safe right now uh, by in any measure of the word, whether we're talking about just top 12 scores or, or, or just playing at all. So uh, Antonio Brown for me at the second spot here, Ryan. Yeah, I think those were the, the clear top two picks and it's, kind of feels like crazy talk to say that Antonio Brown might be outside of the top 12 in scoring but I I think we all all the helmet talk and the frostbite you know frostbitten feet talk we've kind of gotten lost in some of the the simple and obvious things here that he's taking a major downgrade in overall offense in quarterbacks certainly a huge downgrade in quarterback and just a downgrade in in volume. I mean, the Steelers are always one of the pass heaviest teams in the league and uh, the Raiders may need to pass a lot this season as, as they're probably going to be behind in most games, but I don't think we can count on uh, Antonio Brown just seeing the volume that he has uh, in the past with Pittsburgh. So some of these, uh, some of these concerns that were discussed when he was first traded have 
gotten lost in, in all the other stuff that's gone on the past month or so. But I, I think there are some real concerns about Antonio Brown repeating his top 12 performance. You know, all those things you say are true there, Ryan. And you didn't even mention his age. He's also a year older and, you know, creeping up there to the point where all of us dynasty owners really start being concerned about these wide receivers. He's already 31, not going to be 32 until next off season. But that at least has to be sitting in the back of our minds as dynasty owners as he makes this move to Oakland. I will say that even though I'm project, projecting to follow the top 12 for this discussion, he's still like in redraft reads like now you get him in the third round. That still feels like a screaming value. Like, I don't know how you don't click that button for Antonio Brown in, in the third round. Uh, so, I mean, I still think in his range of outcomes is certainly still, you know, probably, you know, top five or so uh, point output for, for 2019. But that just feels like the floor is so low and it could just drop out at any second. So that's really the main the main reason why I have him here. Ryan, I guess we all interrupted you. Can you make some picks here or what? Uh, I can. I can. (laughs) So I've got two picks here, uh, and I'm going to hedge a little bit because I'm going to take both Minnesota Vikings that were on the list, Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. Um, And I think there's a case to be made for both of these. We we saw Adam Thielen come out essentially the first half of last season on on record-setting pace, and then completely fell off the map in in the second half of the season. I'm I'm actually surprised he uh, managed to to stay so high on this list. But I, I think you know that's that's a little bit of a concern. He's also not the youngest wide receiver on this list. So can can he maintain that high level of play over a full season? Uh, and, and then Diggs, I don't know. I was talking with Dan about this the other day. There's actually been rumors that Stefan Diggs could be traded, which just seems like crazy talk. But um, I, I, that's what happens this time of year with the season close and, uh, and, and so many moves being made by different teams. But uh, I would think a, a trade would not be good for him if that uh, unlikely scenario actually played out. But uh, e- even with you know, with the Vikings this year, he's always just been that player that's been up and down and, and, uh, from, from week to week, kind of a boomer bus guy is, is how I see him always seems to have those nagging injuries. Honestly, just not a guy I'm willing to trust, uh, on my, on my dynasty roster, given his price. And all of that makes me question if, if he can, uh, finish as a top 12 wide receiver. Then look, kind of looking from a team perspective for both of these guys, all the moves they've made this offseason, bringing in, bring in Alexander Madison and, uh, and the, the coaching hire on the offense, as their offensive coordinator, they clearly want to run the ball uh, and, and want that to be kind of their M.O. on offense. So I expect Cousins to pass less. I expect Cook to run more. And that's going to hurt both of these guys. Yep, those were the two that I had tied with with Antonio Brown there for the second pick. Uh, pretty much every everything you said, the volume argument is really the one that that stands out a lot to me. Uh, these guys both finished the top twelve last year, and that th- not only does that not happen very often, 
it also doesn't happen even it happens even less that they will repeat both repeat so one of these guys for sure is not going to be top 12 uh, if i had to pick one it would be Thielen to fall out i know that i'm going to get all kinds of crap from jake anderson about that one uh and some other Thielen guys but i think i just think Diggs is, is still the the primary guy there uh, my, my my last pick here at the fifth overall one i went with dan's last pick in the safe draft and that's obj and uh, not a pick that i feel strongly about in terms of him falling out of the top 12 but new offense you know it doesn't this, this 2019 Browns team does not feel necessarily like the 2011 uh, Eagles dream team and how they curse themselves with calling themselves the dream team. But, you know, new team, new quarterback, uh, maybe maybe Mayfield has a little bit of a sophomore slump, slump, a lot more weapons on that offense. Maybe Nick Chubb gets going, uh, you know. So I, I think there is a chance that he falls out of there, but probably not a great one, which is why he's the second to last pick in this exercise for me. Yeah, I completely agreed with the first four picks. I had the, the same order as they went with the going three and Diggs going four uh obj i can see why you're hesitant on that one and and for all the reasons that i mentioned why i thought he was the number six pick in the safe draft i actually am going to take keenan allen here and hate that i'm doing that at number six um it's really only because of the other options there it feels like the chargers are going to spread the football around Mike Williams, well, everybody, like the stock answer when somebody brings up Mike Williams is, oh, he can't, he cannot repeat what he did last season. There's no way he comes back and catches 10 touchdowns again. And I always question people and say, why not? Why can't he catch those touchdowns, those 10 touchdowns and catch more footballs and, and add to his yardage? He's going to be a bigger part of this offense. And, and we're not even mentioning Hunter Henry and what he can do as well. While I'm a big uh, Keenan Allen fan and really feel like he's going to have a nice season and probably help people win fantasy football championships in 2019, I still think there's a lot of talent in uh, Los Angeles with the Chargers. And it, it seems to me like if there's going to be a sixth guy that falls out of this thing, it would probably be Allen. Again, I'm, I am a fan and I want him on my team though. Interestingly enough, guys, the one the one player that didn't get picked from for either of these drafts is Tyree Kill, which is interesting to me because he, you know, in in some regards he could be conceived as the riskiest player here, but it just feels like him being a part of that offense, uh, and if he's going to continue to have that same role and and stay out of trouble and be on the field all year, he seems kind of like a lock, I guess, uh, to be in that that top twelve. Uh, but maybe because of the risk factor, you know, off field stuff, maybe that's why he didn't get picked in the safe draft. Yeah, he he is an interesting case for sure. You, uh, as as exciting as he is on the field, um, it, it's it's tif- difficult to put him in that safe category, um, even even on a one year basis, just with all the uh, all the issues that we've seen. So, if you can separate all of that, and or if you could tell me that he was going to play all sixteen games and not have any of these issues, then he probably would have been selected in that top six for us because uh, he he certainly has the track record on the field and uh, I I think he's still the top weapon in the top offense which is a a pretty good place to be Um, and then for a lot of those same reasons I'm I would not expect him to fall off unless there is some off-field issues. I completely agree and that's why I considered him in that safe uh, draft at at the sixth spot it, it felt to me like it, it really seemed to me, Ryan, like 
If he's on the field, he might be the safest option. If we knew he was on the field and we knew Mahomes was the guy throwing him the football, he he would be the safest guy on the list. But since those things are, are not a guarantee, and especially the there is no guarantee with Tyreek making it through an entire season without something coming up, uh, it, it just feels like he... He maybe belongs in that that middle area, the middle ground that you talked about, Matt, where he he just doesn't belong on either list. It's really a pretty good representation of his value right now because you see see some people just getting out while they can and getting rid of of their Tyreek Hill shares now that his his value has bounced back and he's been, you know, it's been reported or, or we've learned that he won't be suspended. And while others are, are right back, you know, on the wagon and buying and, and happy to have him on their team. So there's there's a lot of middle ground there when it comes to Tyreek Hill. All right, let's move on to our final draft of this exercise. We're going to do the replacement draft. Uh, guys, with with as difficult as it seems the other two were to do in, in, this, in this exercise, this one seemed difficult too, although I did write down more than six names. So uh, we'll see how this one goes. But it, it, it was difficult to find somebody that I felt really good about uh, outside of a couple of names. So, Dan, I guess start us off here with the 101 and the replacement. Yeah, I'm draft. glad I have the one pick, but but not very happy that I have the sixth pick in this one. Uh, gets difficult as well. I'm going to take Mike Evans as the number one guy. He feels like at least semi-obvious to me. Um, if regularly finishes as a fringe wide receiver one. Uh, that offense seems to be clicking in the preseason or, or at least has a lot of momentum going towards the regular season, and Evans is the biggest target there. Well, there's a lot to be said about Chris Godwin and O.J. Howard and the rest of that offense, or at least the pass catchers there, um, maybe sharing some of those targets. A lot of what I talked about with the Chargers and, and Mike Williams taking away from Keenan Allen, it feels to me like if, if anybody's a lock to jump into that top 12, it's probably Evans because of the peppered targets that he's going to get from Jameis Winston and especially those those targets that he should get in the red zone. Yeah, I think Evans was the, the easy number one pick there. Uh, he's been a thousand yard receivers five straight years and all that so he he gets a little bit discounted sometimes when we're talking about these elite receivers and, and usually ends up in towards the end of that top seven or eight however you have them stacked but uh, I think he is definitely likely to enter that top 12 in this new offense uh, my next guy uh, I also thought was a little bit a little bit chalk but also I have him as in a four-way tie so <laughs> that tells you how I feel about him I'm going to get one of these other three guys so I'm going to go ahead and take Amari Cooper here uh, the, the heel injury you know the little bit of irritation with the plantar side is a little bit uh, concerning, you know, especially since the season hasn't even started yet. But I just think that, you know, if Zeke ends up holding out into the season, they're going to want to just throw a lot, I think, to Amari Cooper. So uh, he feels pretty safe here in terms of uh, him finishing in the top 12 uh, on a points per game basis for me, Ryan. Yeah, I was I was I was anxious to see who you would take here because I get two picks and uh I thought the number two player was pretty clear, actually. It's not my guy, Amari. Uh, it was Brandon Cooks. So Brandon Cooks was the wide receiver 13 a year ago. He's been a top 15 wide receiver in four straight years, even uh, even though he's played in three different offenses over that time. Cooks kind of gets labeled with that boom bust in, in that boom bust category as well. But from season to season over the past four or five years, he's been one of the most consistent guys we've had. I think we kind of have that memory of the Rams offense sputtering 
uh, w- with the Gurley injury down, you know, down towards the end of the season last year and, and even into the Super Bowl. But uh, that's that's a team that was basically going toe to you know toe to toe with the with the Chiefs as one of the top offenses in the league last year. And and I want pieces of that offense. So Cooks is the first pick. That's the easy one. After that, I'm not quite as confident. Um, I have seven other names here, and I'm, I'm just going to grab one here. I'm going to go with Julian Edelman. Um, we know Gronk is gone. We the, the Patriots lost a couple of other pieces as well. Even with the, the recent uh, reinstatement of Josh Gordon, I expect Edelman to be the top target for Tom Brady. My, my real, Really my only concern with putting him in this category is uh, just that I expect them to, to lean on the run so much this year. Uh, I don't, don't know how much they're going to throw the ball um, kind of opposite situation that we talked about uh, with, with some of the other teams that they should be in the lead and in command of games. So that, that could keep that pass volume down and, and hurt Edelman's finish, but uh, do expect him to be the top target there. Yeah, I had Element on my on my top list. It would have been drafted if I would have ended up with the six pick, I think. Uh, but I the reason why I did not pick Cooks at at the two spot, and I do think he's a great pick there, is because I think he's just as likely to get there as both Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are. So I think you could pick any, three of those guys, and two of them are could end up in the top twelve. You know, they could be the Stephon Diggs and uh, uh, Adam Thielen for twenty nineteen. And for me, that guy is easily Cooper Cup. Uh, we saw the pace he was on last year. He seems to be more of a target in the red zone, uh, especially on those uh, shorter touchdown passes uh, than than Brandon Cooks does. So so I think that could help boost him up in addition to all those targets that he's going to get out of the slot. So Cooper Cup here for me at the fifth pick. And I could have easily went with Robert Woods, but, you know, my, my brand is Cooper Cup, so we're going that way. <laughs> Sticking with the brand. <laughs> I like it, Matt. That's right. Uh, <laughs> when you attach yourself to something, you stick to it, that's for sure. That would probably that's suggest right. that I should go with Kelvin Ridley here at six, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'll take DJ Moore, actually, at the sixth spot. Um, it pretty went, much went stock for the first first four picks for me. I would have taken Cooks at two and Cooper at three, but they went three and then or two and then three the other way around. Edelman at four. Uh, I like the cup pick at five. I'll take DJ Moore at six. And, and really I'm picking DJ Moore over Calvin Ridley simply because of the quarterback situation along with the, the fact that DJ Moore doesn't have uh, Julio Jones on the other side commanding targets. And, and while a lot of us are excited about Cur- Curtis Samuel and what he can do underneath in that offense, he's not going to take away from DJ Moore in the intermediate range and, and everything that he showed that he can do, particularly late in the 2018, his rookie season. So I'm excited about Moore. I'm excited about a lot of these guys on the list and and maybe even a few more. They're They're, like you guys said, there were more than six guys that it feels like has the potential to jump into the top 12. Yeah, some other guys that I had uh, that didn't get mentioned. Uh, I had Larry Fitzgerald on my list, uh, the only real veteran receiver there in that you know presumably high volume passing game that we haven't seen yet in the preseason. But just don't think we're gonna they're gonna show us what they're gonna do in the regular season uh, in these games that don't mean anything. So he could be up there. And then it's we're, remember we're doing a points per game basis, not an overall top twelve uh, score points scored. So I think AJ Green could end up back there. 
those were those were the next two guys on my list in addition to Robert Woods and uh, uh, the, the player you mentioned there, Dan. How about you, Ryan? Did you have any other guys on your list? I did. I had four other guys, and uh, that's that's why this is a fun conversation. I did not have uh, AJ Green. I did not. I actually didn't have Cooper Cup. I uh, didn't have Fitzgerald on my list. I went uh, mostly with some of the younger guys who uh, we're expecting or at least many people are expecting breakout seasons from uh, Chris Godwin. I, I could see cracking this list. Tyler Lockett and Kenny Galladay really, um, I think, high hopes for both of those guys as as the number one option on their team for the first time, uh, or at least the first time for a full season. Both of those, the, the concern for both of those, I think, is just uh, just pass volume. Some of the same thing we talked about with Edelman is will their teams be passing enough to uh, to put them in that potentially in that wide receiver one conversation. Uh, and then along with Edelman, I, I also had Josh Gordon on my list. And then the last one is is a guy I'm not really a huge fan of. I know Dan's not a huge fan of, but uh, I think things are lining up for him with a lack of competition on his team. To, to put up some big numbers this year. That's D.D. Westbrook. Wow, that that would be a jump there, Ryan. And a lot of redraft players would probably scratch their heads to that and say, what was I thinking? How did I miss that one? I didn't have D.D. Westbrook. I didn't have uh, Fitzgerald, and I didn't have Gordon on mine. I had A.J. Green for the same reason that Matt said, because we're going on the point-per-game basis, and when he gets back, it really feels to me like he could – uh, put up another wide receiver one type season. Of course, Calvin Ridley, uh, I had Godwin as well, Galladay on my list, and I think Robert Woods was the next guy up if we were gonna if we were gonna make this another, you know, three more picks if we went seven, eight, nine. One more that I that I didn't mention. Uh, oh, also I looked up D.D. Westbrook. He was the wide receiver thirty six in points per game last year. So you know, wide receiver three for three to wide receiver one. It, it could happen, I guess. It's happened before, <laughs> uh, man. Yeah, it certainly has. Um, <laughs> my, the last guy that I mentioned that I was probably going to get. We'll, we'll see. I, I was going to say I, I have Sammy Watkins on my list too. You know, I, he, it's always been the health concern for him. He's in the highest powered offense in the league. We just saw Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs do it. Uh, it seems to me like they have found a way to manage his injury. Have we have not heard anything on the injury front from him all off season? So this is a year, you guys. This is a year that Sammy puts it all together. Who's with me? Puts it all together no, and and jumps from a wide receiver <laughs> four to a back end wide receiver three. Hey, listen, he was a wide receiver three in points per game last year. Just saying, in 10 games. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, next week, we are going it, to – it's time. We have one week, one more show before the, the season. So next week is going to be our hot takes and predictions and superlatives awards show. Uh, should be fun. Dan's going to host that one. Uh, so we'll see you guys next week. Have a great week for the preseason. Maybe watch a little less football and go have some fun before uh, our lives get taken over completely by football in early September. For Dan, for Ryan, I'm Matt. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>